Good to see you all this morning. Uh, we have plenty of food. Um, uh, much, quite a few leftovers, I think, from Sunday. Uh, but help yourself during the during the study uh, to food. We'll also take a break around 10:45 or so. Uh, in case you want to eat some more, or just uh, chat some more, uh, perhaps. So. Um, We'll begin with a prayer, and then we'll continue yes. with our study of the post-communion canticles. And I'll, I'll give the page numbers. I know you're all anxious to know what these are, those are. We'll look at those in just a few moments. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, we thank and praise you for feeding us the life-giving body and blood of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Send your Holy Spirit that, having with our mouths received the Holy Sacrament, we may by faith obtain and eternally enjoy your divine grace, forgiveness of sins, unity with Christ, and life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, is there a certain page that we've already received that we are on? Uh, I believe, uh, go to page 181. Well, I mean of your, of your handouts. Uh, it would probably be slide 209. Um, uh, post communion canticle, not committed, post communion collar. Yeah. So we're, we didn't meet last week, of course. Uh, but the week before, I, I think we. we uh, hey, wait a minute, I need that book. We discussed uh, the non-committed, I think, to some degree. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we also discovered, uh, and, and something that I did not know, was uh, on page 181, the post-communion canticle, thank the Lord, there are Bible verses attached to that, but it's found in uh, the, uh, the personal edition of the, of the, uh, the Lutheran service book, and not the pew edition. So, uh, they left them off to make it lighter. Yeah. Could you, uh, could you, for the fun of it, Earl, give us uh, the Bible references for thank the Lord. Sure. For thank the Lord, on page 181, Psalm 105, verses 1 through 3, and verses 42 and 43. And 1 Chronicles 16, 8 through 10. So it is biblical, right? I, there, there's there's very little in in the the liturgies as we have them that are not somehow derived from scripture. Uh, there there are a few places that you know have scriptural references or may uh, have scriptural allusions, but are from the early church. For example, specific prayers and, and the like. So uh, thank you. So let's uh, so so one of the references was Psalm 105. Let's let's look at that since we have that available to us. So open your Bibles to Psalm 105. And of course, this is the post-communion canticle, meaning after communion. You know, post means after, pre means before. So after communion has been received. After it has been distributed, uh, then the congregation sings the post-communion canticle. And in divine services one and two, there are one of two options. 
usually we don't sing, I don't think we've ever sung both. I guess there's nothing that says we can't, but uh, but usually it's it's one or the other. So thank the Lord for uh, the Nunc Dimittis, the song of Simeon. So that's kind of the context in, in which uh, in, in which these canticles are sung after the distribution. So thank the Lord, Psalm 105, verses 1 through 3, and then verses 42 and 43. Could we have someone read verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 105, please? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the earth, the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Yeah, and we don't uh, we don't say this, but you know, oftentimes uh, in the Psalms there'll be kind of a statement of praise or thanksgiving, um, you know, waiting on the Lord, and then also a specific reason for that as well. Um, so, you know, if we continue with verse five, for example. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. Okay, so not only judgments against the evildoers, but also judgments uh, in favor of his own people, right, in, in salvation. So looking at verse 7, for example, he is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant that he made with Abraham, remember from Genesis 12, you know, God God told Abraham to leave his country, his homeland, and go to a place that God would lead him and show him. And then he would have uh, numerous descendants, and all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him, namely through Christ. So so we have these, uh, these words, these really uh, reasons for giving thanks, calling upon his name, etc., etc. Would someone read verses 42 to 43 of the same chapter, please? For he remembered his holy promise of Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy, the chosen one of his gladness. All right, so once again, uh, he remembered his holy promise in Abraham as servant and uh, brought his people out with joy. That's, that's reason for thanksgiving right there. So, um, you know, considering, for example, the, the redemption that the Lord gave to his people is freeing them from slavery in Egypt uh, was reason for thankfulness continually and rejoicing and yet we see the people time and time and time again even just uh, shortly thereafter complaining and, and even disbelieving uh, the promises of God and yet you know we might ask the question was there any justification for their waywardness any justification for their disbelief any indication that God was not going to um, make do on his promises? And the answer, of course, is no. And yet, they, we are often like that too, right? Going back and forth, um, not trusting as we ought and, and the like. Mm. But here we have uh, the post-communion canticle. Notice on page 181, 
it's kind of a short one, uh, a little bit uh, shorter than the Nunc Dimittis. But here we have, thank the Lord and sing his praise. Tell everyone what he has done. Let everyone who seeks the Lord rejoice and proudly bear his name. Why? As the psalmist states, he recalls his promises and leads his people forth in joy with shouts of thanksgiving. Now, you know, this is, uh, this is a true statement that God recalls his promises and leads his people forth in joy with shouts of thanksgiving. But it may look very different by way of the world standards. And I'll, I'll just give I'll give one example, uh, of course, a biblical example. But after uh, in in the Acts of the Apostles, Peter and John, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, healed a man that was lame from birth. As a result of that, uh, a little bit later, they were they were punished. They were also imprisoned uh, for a short time. And, uh, you know, they, they were they were warned, they were beaten. And what did they do afterwards? Rejoice. Why? They were not to be worthy of the suffering of Christ? Yeah. That's a good answer. Because, you know, Jesus himself says in, in, in the... Uh, what is called the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are, he says to his disciples, blessed are you when they persecute you and revile you and say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. And they rejoice, but, you know, we might scratch our heads and think, why did they rejoice? You know, and the answer you know, you just gave, which which was uh, which is appropriate and proper uh, and, uh, and true. But how do we... You know, I, I heard you talking a little bit before uh, before study, and I think there's a growing concern by many of where this country is going. But notice, uh, you know, with joy, with shouts of thanksgiving, to whom? You know, not because we're suffering, per se, but rather because of Christ. You know, the joy of the Lord our strength. There's a song somewhere that sings that. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 6, uh, be strong in the strength of the Lord. We have reason to rejoice even in the midst of trial and, and, and affliction. Um, even in the midst of, you know, perhaps oppression or even persecution or even silence. Because this in no way affects who God is what he has done or what he does. Right. Did you have a comment, Pastor? Well, you know, when we hear the word bless or, or joy or rejoicing, I think we generally, through our normal filter, think of happiness, everything going our way. And I think to stop, take a breath, and relook at that, yeah. to be blessed means that God's favor is upon you. He sees what you're going through. He's going to carry you through. You know, it's kind of like the little bird that takes refuge in the midst of a horrible storm under the rock, the cleft of the rock. You know, the storm's horrible, but there's that presence of the Lord that carries us through. That is true blessing. And in that, we rejoice, not because everything's going our way, the way we think it ought to be. Right. But I think, you know, that needs to sometimes be re, you know, looked at. 
when we say, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted. What's, what's blessed about that? You know, this is our natural response. Yeah. Especially if you use the word, like, I remember, uh, you remember the, the, you know, if you remember a pastor, quote, pastor by the name of Robert Schuller? Oh, yeah. The Crystal Cathedral, right? I remember, maybe I told you this, but I, I remember seeing a book. Um, it was like a freebie at the, at the seminary. Um, it wasn't one of the textbooks, by the way, um, but it was called the Be Happy Attitudes. And it was written by Robert Schuller. And he was kind of a happy guy, you know, um, I, I guess. Um, you know, smiling and, and, you know, lying through his teeth, but smiling at the same time kind of thing. Prosperity theology. Yeah, you know, like, uh, you, you've heard me mention Joel Osteen, for example. You know, I, I think he's, he's termed as the smiley preacher. Say that again. The smiley preacher. But uh, I, I've seen depictions where he has horns. You know, and, and stuff. But I mean, so he, he smiles, but he's lying. You know, when it comes to the scriptural text. But yeah, the be you know, you know, happy happy are you when you are persecuted. That just doesn't sit well. And and then plus happiness. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I'm assuming that happiness is kind of like an emotion. Yeah. Right. Blessedness is extremely different. It's not dependent on your feeling. It's not dependent on your experience. You know how you are one day or. You know, it, it, it's kind of a state of being. That's the way I, I've kind of described it. It's a state of being not determined by you, but but given by God. You know, bestowed uh, upon you by God. So you have his favor. And really, this get, kind of gets to uh, the main point here. Um, you know, why do you have God's favor? And what does that mean? Right? So, you know, even if circumstances indicate anything else but God's grace and blessing and his favor, his word continues to stand. And it's not determined by circumstance. So, you know, um, I, I, I mentioned this last night in, in catechesis, and, and perhaps you've heard this statement before, um, and I have even in, in Lutheran circles heard this statement that unless we do something, the church is going to die. Have you ever heard that before, Pastor? Probably stated in slightly different ways. Yeah. But what uh, what what that phrase on the surface really expresses is lack of confidence in what God Himself has said. Um, what do we know about the church? It's made up of sinners. It's right? always been persecuted. It's always been persecuted, but what, you know, biblically defined, what is the church? The body of Christ. Christ is Yeah, you were there last night, right? Sorry, I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the body of Christ. Christ is the head. And Christ is the head, and, well, we're, we're in the midst of celebrating this season, this time of the church year called Easter. Can Jesus Christ ever die again? No. If Jesus Christ can never die again, and the church is his body, can the church ever die? Well, God said it would never die, that he would always have a remnant, and that's his plan, ever, forever and ever yeah. until he ends the world. Yeah, the so gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yeah, yeah. no matter yeah. what we think or say. So even if you hear Lutherans saying that, you know, 
ask them what they mean by that. Because oftentimes, the church is going to die unless we do something. Somehow, the church's existence is becomes dependent on us. At least that's the view. Well, in a sense, it is up to us to do something about it. That's what Jesus said. Go and tell all nations. That is our job. It is something we need to take seriously, and we do need to work at it, and we're very poor at retaining our youth. I think that's something we do have to look at very carefully. Is it is God going to let every youth in the whole world go? Churchill, we do have a responsibility to try to... Churchill and I have a congregation, because as they become self-serving, they have no outreach, they, they just gradually pull it up. Well, and, and you know, here's here, here's the a caveat to that, Wayne, um, that even if the church does everything right, and they're active evangelically and, and so on and so forth, that is no guarantee that that congregation will remain there. Or they sin it well. Or they sin it. I mean, so... They become completely self-serving. They have no purpose for God. When they abandon the Word, they might still have all kind of programs going, but it's not the church anymore. Yeah. But, but you know, there there are I guess two sides of this coin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at least two. Don't forget the rim. <laughs> right? I, you know, I mean, three sides. There, there's, or if you, I, I recently heard this. You know, kind of in a different context, but a diamond has different facets. <laughs> you know, um, but just as much as one says, okay, if we do everything right, that's no guarantee that will we, that that the congregation will remain. Because it may just be the Lord's will, which we are not aware of, but it may be the Lord's will that this congregation fall under. Church of Ephesus. Right. I, I mean, you look at the, the seven churches in Revelation. You know, um, faithfulness is no guarantee that you will remain as, as a congregation is what I mean, right? Uh, faithfulness uh, is no guarantee in the same manner or in a similar fashion unfaithfulness does not mean that you will die physically practically okay theologically you're already dead right right so one who is turned away from the word and preaches something else you know so it, it is not the litmus test of a growing church if they are growing numerically i mean i i know any um you know, and you might be aware of those, you know, mega churches, big box churches. They continue to grow, and they have thousands and thousands continually. I mean, there's a lot of turnover, I think, you know, which we don't see, um, and which they don't really proclaim. Um, I, 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 I remember a phrase that I heard a, a number of years ago, which I, I think is um, telling, um, and this had to do with uh, with a congregation in. Uh, in uh, in Milwaukee, and I can't remember the name of it. Uh, uh, Stuart Briscoe, um, I, yeah, Elmbrook. I don't know if any of you have heard of Elmbrook, but uh, uh, Stuart Briscoe, which was he was he was uh, he he talked really cool, I think, because he was from Australia, so he had an accent. Uh, but I had attended one of their services. Uh, for some reason, I, I had a Sunday off, and I was just kind of curious to see what it was like. So. Uh, my wife and I went, and um, Enosh, Egan wasn't born, um, but we had gone, and, and a good part of the service was 
kind of interesting. It was it was almost entertaining, um, but there's you know it was atheological in nature um, because they they were kind of uh, you know makeshifting uh, the game show of who wants to be a millionaire, and this was in church supposedly. Um, but but I heard one comment concerning you know that church and churches like it. It's a mile wide and inch deep. <laughs> a mile wide and inch deep. In other words, there was hardly any. There, there was some good theology. Baby food. That's what a lot of this is. Just yeah. Food. Yeah. Cotton you know, candy theology. Uh, yeah, I, I like that phrase. Um, you know, candy. I, I've used chocolate. Um, you know, and, and and various other. You know, I mean, chocolate is good. But is it nutritious? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> dark, dark chocolate, right? My landlady in Germany used to hand the kids chocolate bars on the way to the bus, and she'd say, it has milk. You can eat it for breakfast. Oh, I tried. I move we take a vote. That can only go so far, right? Uh, but, you know, an inch an inch. Mile wide, wide and inch deep. You know, there's there's nothing of substance or very little of substance. You know, to keep one there. So there's a there's there's a lot of going out. It's it's like a revolving door. Well, the other side of that is if water is only an inch deep, it evaporates quick. Here it does. Yes. I, I noticed. Uh, what was it? A couple days? Was it Monday? It was yesterday. The wind. Well, not not just the wind. I, I, that's kind of a given here, right? In the spring, yeah. The humidity yesterday. But I, I thought the humidity was like 90%. It was either 5 or 9 Oh, that was Sunday morning. It was a thick, thick fog. It was almost eerie. I was sitting down the street past that hairless. That doesn't always happen here. No, that was our rain. But, but you know, churches like Elmbrook or Willow Creek, the Willow Creek Association, or... Um, Hillsong, you may have heard of Hillsong as a group. I, I think it's based out of Australia. Uh, church, um, they have many daughter, excuse me, many daughter churches around the world, um, and and they have thousands of members. But that's not an indication, and this is my point. That's not an indication that they are theologically and spiritually growing in a positive direction, right? right? Um, in the same way, just because you know a congregation has fewer and fewer members for various reasons, that doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong either. It does, and and I'm not suggesting by saying that that there's no room for repentance because there's always room for repentance, you know. Um, but uh, uh, you know, you, you can't just look at a church and say, oh, well, they're doing something wrong because they're not doing this. Or they're doing something right because they're doing this. Um, it, it's an easy diagnosis to make, uh, but it's it's one that is 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 not always based on what the Bible teaches. Because uh, there are accounts, for example, where Paul says, you know, you know, in, in essence, I wanted to go here, but the Lord forbade me from going there. You know, and. Uh, it might be, and, and you you probably heard accounts of this, you know, by way of illustration. But but I I, I, I think it was India, Korea, and, and various other places where where there had had been Christian missionaries there for years and years and years, and it seemed like very little fruit was produced. But then they left, and years later the church was flourishing. 
I, I just heard uh, uh, yesterday, actually, uh, a presentation by a Catholic priest who had interviewed, uh, you know, various Christians that lived under the Iron Curtain. And, uh, you know, it, it was just... It was fascinating because he was talking about what these Christians really had to do in order to remain Christian. It was secretive. You know, um, the, the, the parents, um, you know, how do you teach your kids Christianity? You can't go, go to church publicly, for example. Uh, but what they would do is they would teach them in the home, privately. You know, probably sing hymns, you know, read scripture, teach them. And the like, um, but but and this this kind of struck out or stuck out uh, to me too because the, the priest said that actually, um, you know, if, if you had if you were a Christian family and you wanted to remain so in your home and in society and the like, uh, parents told their kids uh, basically to lie at school because the teachers would ask, "Do any of you pray?" You know, or or. Questions, you know, like, um, you know, do you have devotions at home? And if the child said yes, then the then the father would be carted off and the family would be taken away. And and that's something that, that we aren't aware of. But what's interesting, you know, you might, you know, many would think that well, the Christian church is dead. It wasn't. It was it was hidden. You know, and uh, and that's maybe. You know, I, and, and I, I did ask a question. There were a few others that asked the question too. Um, you know, if uh, if, if the priest, uh, you know, had any concerns about today, and and essentially he said yes. You know, now I, I don't know if it would go to that extreme, um, but if you, depending who you listen to, it might seem that way, right? Um, because. Christianity, who was it? Someone commented, uh, I think, uh, not last week, but the week before, you know, that, that Christians are deemed as, I don't know, treasonous, terrorists, racist. in a way. Racist. Well, racist, yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a buzzword, too, isn't it? Um, yeah. And, and spoken by those who, of course, who are not racist at all. Um, we won't get into that, right? No. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, just just a lot of inconsistency. But I, I think it's it's something you know for for the Christians today, including us, of course, um, you know, to be aware of, and and not in the sense of cowering, you know, but in the sense of of, of continuing to boldly confess mm -hmm. Christ, you know, in the midst of a dying world, because you know, I I think there there are, you know, th this is not a theological. Um, you know, th this is not a theological um, observation, uh, but I, I still think I, I think there are quite a few Americans that that do believe that this is a good country. At least not I, too I many hope leaving. That's it. What's that? There are not too many leaving. Yeah, I mean that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know what? What I'm trying to say is, I, I think you know that there are still those who have uh, you know various values, you know, concerning freedom of speech, concerning you know the uh, you know the rights that we hold dear as a country. And I, I, I would have to, you know, I, I, I pray too that there are any number of Christians that are not in agreement with the status quo. 
know, and, and, and maybe we might find ourselves, you know, not, not worshiping with other Christians, but, you know, dialoguing with other Christians to encourage them in the true faith as well. Yeah. I think we need to send every member of Congress a copy of the small catechism and ask them to read it. They wouldn't understand. Right now, H.R. 5, Dolly Equality Act, which is yeah. the most ridiculously misnamed piece of legislation. Of course, the Bill of Rights, uh, seven of the 13 new states said that they would not ratify the Constitution unless you listed things that government shall not do. And so, um, Declaration of Independence talks about endowed by their creator God with certain unalienable rights. This listed them, and so speech, uh, press, religion, assembly, yeah. petition, keeping bare arms, uh, sanctity of the home, and of course, Fourth Amendment, freedom from unreadable search and seizures, all of those are under attack now. And then what they have done, if they get H.R. 5 through the House and the Senate, which I don't think they'll ever get through the Senate. It's, it's passed in the House already. Yeah. Right. The President signs it, is that we essentially have no freedom of religion in America anymore because the rights to our believing the Word of God, the un unchanging for eternity word of God um, cannot conflict with say uh, the occult um, even Satan worship and cannot conflict with the LBGDQ plus whatever letter you got um, you know if you're it's not happened in America yet it has happened in Europe it has happened in Canada, they have shut churches down and have locked up the pastor and the elders for reading parts of the Bible that condemned homosexuality. And this church is like Methodist. You know, they're a big kick there for a while. I haven't seen a while. Open minds, open hearts, open arms, and all that stuff. And yeah, come on in. You don't have to change a thing. God created you just the way you are. Just accept that, and we'll keep you happy all the way to hell. And that's what they're doing. They're making people happy all the way to hell. And they split it. And they split. United Methodist Church split. Yeah, they did split over that. So. Well, when you were talking about the, the telling their kids to lie, I told my kids to lie in school. When the humanism thing got so big where... Um, you know, when you take a test and it says it's millions of years, well, right. you know it wasn't yeah. millions of yeah. years. I said, if they yeah. tell you certain things are the answers, you give them the answers, but that's not what we believe. This is what we believe. Yeah. Yeah. You tell them what they need to hear mm -hmm. to do what you need to do, mm -hmm. but that's not what you believe. I, I had a, uh, a little story. I, I had a, a professor in college who was actually United Methodist. And it was a world religion class, uh, and you know, she 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 got very little right. I, I think uh, I still have the textbook, um, but uh, it, it was very insightful. She was kind of anti-Christian, you know. She she kind of promoted, you know, uh, 
Wiccanism. What? You know, and stuff like that. Wiccan. You know, uh, kind of witchcraft. I used to live in North Carolina. Yeah. But, but she was, you know, this was Missouri, so she, she kind of emphasized that. But one thing, you know, I, I will say to her credit, like she would have, you know, of course she would have exams. And one of her policies was you can disagree, but give it defense. You know, so, so in other words, you know, you, know, you, you might have, like I, I think one, one, and I think this discussion came out and, um, I had to do some study on it later, but one, she made a comment, for example, in class, and this may have been on a test too, but um, Jericho, of course, was destroyed. And her claim was, well, it was rebuilt, even though God had said it would not be rebuilt, so therefore it's wrong. What she failed to insert into her comment was, God did say it would not be rebuilt except on the death of two men. On a on a on, on science, for example, and and so you know, um, if if she had that on a test, for example, and you said, well, this is false because the Bible says, you know, that that two people died, mm -hmm. and Jericho was rebuilt, then she would she would you know accept that answer, you know, which um, but I, I don't think that that happens so often today. No. Um, Education has become something entirely different. It's it's more indoctrination than anything. Yes, it is. Um, my my view still holds though that education to be you know to be education you teach all different sides and you teach people also how to discern. You know th this phrase called uh, you, you've heard this but critical thinking. You teach them to ask questions and how to ask questions. At least that's my philosophy. You know. Um, you don't just uh, accept everything wholesale that people are saying. And I'm, I'm doing that more and more. Maybe you are too with the media. Um, and, and with reference to the comment, yeah, I remember, um, remember when, uh, and this was only, what, within the last, um, has it been over 10 years now? No, um, when Obergefell was passed. Do you remember that? Uh, Obergefell when? 2006. 2006, okay. So it has, I, I was, I was I thinking, think is that really 15 years ago? Yeah, that's unbelievable. 15 years, oh wow. Okay. <laughs> I'll look it up. <laughs> you get old quick. You know, I faster and faster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but, okay, so 15 years ago it was passed, and I remember there was a lot of discussion about, okay, so when is the time coming when they're going to mandate this for, for churches? You know, um, you know to, to accept. And then also for clergy, you know, when, when are the examples going to come to pass when someone goes into a, an Orthodox, a, a, a faithful congregation, and says to the pastor, I want you to marry us? I don't remember hearing that too often, but you do hear still about that, that uh, the baker in Colorado, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh -uh, you know, and, and then you hear of, you know, various other accounts, too. Just persecution. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think it's only going to intensify. But I remember saying, and I, I, I still stand by this. I'm sorry, it was 2015. 2015, okay. So not so long ago, but the seeds were sown, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, um, and not only, well, especially with the Equality Act, but also with the voters. You know, that's, you know, a related thing, but, you know, different. Um, but, if, yeah, if, if this passes, then... 
you know, the government is basically going to tell the church what they can and cannot say. That's right. Yeah. To which, you know, I, I adamantly uh, say, so what? I mean, we, we, we have to preach, we have to teach what God himself says. If they will start shutting down in churches in the United States, yeah. and they'll start doing it soon. We just yeah. fall on a couple yeah. years behind. It's like a girl I grew up with over there in Farrell, and she got into school teaching and taught 40 years in the different schools in the Panhandle. And then um, I was talking to her at one of our town reunions there, Border Town days, and she was just madder than a boy she was mad. I said, well, what happened? She teaching the course, and their little eighth grade girl, she was her star student, straight A's, everything like that, and she'd given her the six or seven page essay exam on Darwinism, and she aced everything. Years and every, everything, everything, and at the bottom of the last page, she said, uh, "Of course, I know none of this is true." Okay, and she, she was, she said, "I just that infuriates me. That girl is being raised in an abusive home. I wish I could take the police, I could drag her out of that house, and the state would make sure that she got a proper education." And I said, you know, you sound like a Nazi, don't you? And she, she's not spoken to me since. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, 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 and so, you know, and again, another part of education, you know, is, is, you know, and a big part of education is not to teach people what to believe, right? I mean, that's, now the church is going to be a different, it's a different setting, you know, you know, we, 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 we preach and teach what God himself has revealed in his word right but when it comes to education in the secular realm you know it's not about teaching people okay you believe this or else you believe that or else yeah. you know um that there you know that do we even have like i mean this would be another discussion perhaps but do we have freedom to think yeah yeah that's kind of my question why are so many people not thinking for themselves anymore just like you said, it's like you better believe this or else. Why are they falling for that? I, I think there, there's any number of reasons, but one is just naturally speaking, it's easier. Because you know what what happens when you have you you, you have 50 people saying one thing, and then you say, and and um, you know I'm, I'm kind of thinking of Luther here, died worms kind of stuff. You know here the church was saying you know either. You know, do you do you, do you say these are your writings? Yes. Do you recant them or not? Do you, do you, uh, do you agree with like everyone else, or do you kind of stand by yourself? You know, and um, I, I think that's you know, there, there's different words for it. You know, the one I'm thinking of is kind of a groupthink, mob mentality, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. You know, um, you, you kind of just go with the flow. Um, it's easier to do that rather than. You know, just to kind of stand back and say, "Hey, wait a minute, something is not right here." And uh, you know, and of course, I, I think that's that's you know, in, in, and I was thinking, we really, uh, you know, it, it would be beneficial perhaps to read up on on early Christians and what they encountered um, because of their suffering that took place, you know, and and 
you know certainly there were those who kind of gave in or at least you know gave the impression that they gave in um, but personally you know they uh, they still maintain their faith they maintain that Christ was the head um, but I, I think uh, you know to make a, a longer answer shorter or at least try to um, especially in the church and I don't know if this is what you were asking but in the church uh, the temptation always is going to be to compromise to give certain things up so you know, or to whittle away, you know, and, and we, you know, the church has done this over the years, you know, well, that's not really that important. That's not really that important. And then what happens is you kind of lose all that is important. You know, you, you lose the foundation. So, you know, the moment someone says, and I know you're itching to say something, Wayne, so, uh, but, uh, but one of the things I, I think like over time in terms of Genesis, it, to some, it might not seem like a big deal, but if you cut it out there, mm -hmm. you know, and I mentioned this in the sermon, if you, if, if someone believes in the resurrection of Christ, how can they not also believe in the creation account? It's one and the same, or, or the, the the account of Jonah. If you if you don't believe that, why in the world would you believe that Christ rose? How could you? I I, I don't understand the inconsistency. You can't say, I believe this, but I don't believe that. They're both founded on, on what God himself has revealed in his word. It's a faith. You know, and, and we don't have guys who claim to be Christians. They said, well, you know, we just don't know what God defined as a day and a day to him. You know, it could have been two and a half million years. And so what you're telling me is then we had millions and millions of years of pain and death on this planet before God created man and woman, which is not what the Bible says. Right. And they just, well, you know, you've got to be open-minded about this. I said, i got to believe the Word of God. So then you got to be open-minded about Christ, too, and say that He did not die to save us from our sins, because yeah. if sin existed before, yeah. you know, the fall, uh, it, we run into all these kind of problems. You know, and, and there, then, then there's no, dare I say, systematic theology going on. It, it, it's kind of pick and choose. Well, they try to get self-righteous. They said, well, I believe that it has to have been over a period of 14 billion years, uh, because otherwise you're calling uh, our Creator God a liar. I said, how am I doing that? Because you're telling me that He created a, a uh, strata of the earth and fully developed forest twinkling of an eye, which we was lying to the people who would come, who would assume that this tree was at least 40 years old, and it was the day before yesterday. And so you're telling me the Christ is liar. It's not telling you that at all. But that's yeah, that, the argument they used. That, that's an extraction, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> well, they needed know, to extract their head, but I didn't go into that. Yeah, but, uh, okay. Wayne, and then uh, break. According to what you're saying, Peak of education in this country, 1947, this high school graduates had a better education than the college graduates today. Yes, and and, and the, reason, the reason was that at the end of World War II, uh, the farmers, a lot of small farmers came to business. People moved into towns, a lot of people, and they consolidated the schools. They, we, I went to one room, Eighth grade school, 
you mixed with a lot of different kids. Then the kids got into schools, well, the parents were a lot more involved in the, in the smaller schools than they were in the bigger schools. So the, the parents had a lot more influence, a lot more kids taught. The older kids went home and, and said the teachers tell them this to the younger kids and the parents knew about it, you know. Uh, so the parents were stayed a lot more involved in one of the things. The other thing was when the kids that went to start school with kids, when you get into bigger schools, all the way through school, from one grade to the next, the same kids. They didn't mix with a lot of other kids. Uh, they didn't get near that, you know, you learn something from everybody. And they don't, they don't do that when you get out of school. Kids go, and in Portales, they bust the kids, all the, all the kids in the school are kids from one or two grades, and they, they bust them from one school to the other. And when they, you know, they stay with the same kids all the way through the school. If you want to really see something, yeah. Look in the books and see what was on the spelling test from 1900. Look in the dictionary. <laughs> Look in the dictionary. How yeah. does it change? No, the, the spelling the test had words out of the Bible. It had oh. words like cat and dog and ceiling and floor. They had words yeah. like concupiscence. We had a back and forth. I got that once, but the penicillin cleared it up. 